Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Good morning and welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Today is Wednesday, June 29th, and we have a high of 19 degrees here in the Edmonton area. Good morning, everybody. Uh, we are broadcasting live on the Podbean app as we do every morning. Live, live Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Pretty neat. <laughs> I hate saying the same thing every morning. I hate it. I mean, it's, it makes things easy. It makes things easy to say the same thing every morning. That way you don't trip over your tongue and less ums and us, but, mm -hmm. but I, I, I do, I do really like the fact that this is a live show and, uh, we broadcast it on the Podbean app. So if you're curious about how to join in live and the benefits included, um, download the Podbean app. And then what you do is you follow the real estate investing morning show and at 6am mountain time, every morning, you'll get a notification that we're live. You join in. You can join in on the chat. There's also a call-in button. So you click that call-in button and you can ask any questions you have about real estate investing for free every morning, pretty, Monday through Friday. Pretty dope. Pretty dope, <laughs> except holidays. So this Friday, we will uh, not be um, doing a show because it's a holiday, mm -hmm. but we'll miss you. Don't worry. We will. So much. <clears throat> um, upcoming events. We established there are none. <laughs> talked about that yesterday. There, we don't have any upcoming events coming up, except for um, we are going to be a part of um, Calvin Hexter's or Calvin Realty's golf tournament on August 6th. Mm -hmm. um, highly recommend looking into that if you, I mean, if there are any tickets left. I, I, I know, have no clue. <laughs> yeah, I know that... Um, I know that they sent it out to their investor list first. And I'm assuming that thing filled up right away. So there may be some tickets left. So reach out to Calvin Realty in Edmonton. Um, they're doing a golf tournament on August 6th um, for real estate investors, which is a first. Yep. First, yeah. first annual. <clears throat> they're planning to do it every year. Well, yeah, for them, but also a first in general. I've never heard yeah. of a, a real estate investor golf tournament, which is just going to be a mess. Just going to be a mess. You know? bunch of real estate investors drinking just drinking in the hot sun um i'll be there <laughs> uh, i'm gonna be we're gonna be sponsoring one of the holes so you can come and say hi to us uh and we're actually we announced this yesterday uh, we're gonna be giving away a one-year membership to the master's mentorship program ten thousand dollars <laughs> See, see, I want to, I want to, I want people to get excited about something like that because it's a lot of money, yeah. but at the same time, I also don't want to scare people away from the mentorship <laughs> program because it is extremely affordable at the same time. Do your research, people go and research other coaching programs in Canada. Yeah. Uh, I'm confident enough to, to, to say that, uh, we are the, the best or the most affordable, um, with the best value. No one can touch us. Yeah. So. I know that if anyone is ready to take their coaching to the next level, sorry, take their real estate investing to the next level, um, we're, 
a no brainer. So, uh, but if you've been on the fence about it, or perhaps maybe, um, <clears throat> maybe it just hasn't been in the cards for you, uh, with affordability. Um, I just wanted you guys to know that there is an opportunity to win a mentorship package. Yeah. Pretty wild. We haven't quite figured out how that's all going to play out yet. Um, you got this. <laughs> well, what we're planning on doing each hole is going to have, you know, like a challenge or like a theme. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> the master's mentorship program is all about, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone and taking action. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we're going to have to do something re- revolving around stepping out of your comfort zone and taking action. <laughs> it's not just going to be closest to the pin. Um, it's going to be jumping in a pond. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll be like a, you know, prove it kind of thing you know what i mean Who, the, whoever 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 goes steps out of their comfort zone the most you know what i mean mm-hmm. it'd be a challenge to prove yourself tough to say i don't know i got it i got a little over a month to figure it out yeah yeah um, august 6th is that a sunday <clears throat> no saturday saturday yeah saturday august 6th Contact Calvin Realty if you'd like to get a ticket. Yeah. And it includes like a steak dinner and stuff too. So like not only do you have like a really fun day of um, playing golf with a bunch of real estate investors and meeting all the sponsors and winning lots of prizes and stuff, but then also there's like a steak dinner after. Yeah. So there's good value in, in that ticket. 100%. Yeah. Um, okay. That's the that's the the only thing we have yeah. scheduled coming up. We have a lot of stuff coming up in August. Yes, but stay tuned for like another bus flip tour and our next workshop. Our next workshop and and our stuff. next meetup at our flips. Yeah, um, we sh- yeah we got some stuff coming up. But just we're trying to figure out the summer. Summer's yeah. kind of busy. Well, we haven't sat down to look at the calendar yet, so. Somebody's got a birthday this Saturday that's been taking up all my planning time. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Just trying to find the right pinata. <laughs> uh, yesterday, we talked a lot about uh, agreement for sales. We did, yeah. Agreements for sale. Donna loves to correct me on that one. It's not agreement for sales. It's agreements for, for sale. sale. The agreements are for sale. <laughs> Loves to correct me on that one. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to do better. <clears throat> uh, and I got a lot of messages about that. Afterwards, did you? Did you? No, I didn't. Oh, people message me. They do. Uh, I got a lot of messages about that yesterday because um, they really enjoyed it. And also, while we were talking yesterday, we also said that we were going to... <clears throat> we are going to share... Um, not a case study, but, but an example of an agreement for sale. Um, was, it, was, was it Brett that called him? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I was, we ran out of time, but I was going to share, I was going to share our first agreement for sale. If that's okay. Are you, do you, do you want to just sit there and have a conversation with everybody in the chat there? <laughs> Am I, am I interrupting something over here? Sorry. Goodness. <laughs> Let's go to the chat. 
Cody just said, if anyone is worried about not having anyone to go to the golf tournament with, he's going by himself. His business partner is out of town and he can't wait to meet a lot of people. That's amazing. Yeah. So you guys can even like Cody and whoever else is going alone, you can even like DM each other and be like, hey, let's form a group. Like, let's group up. The misfits. Yeah. The lost toys. <laughs> Anyways, I apologize. Back to your your share an example. <laughs> it's not like I, I interrupted you. I should well like you just like I look over. I and zoned just, out. Like, all giddy reading the comments. I wasn't um, giddy. <laughs> I think I was spaced out. Uh, <laughs> you know I should pu- I should I should punish you and 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 make you talk about our first agreement for sale. Sure. Yeah? Yeah. Do you remember? More or less. Mostly less? Mostly less. <laughs> Some of the details are a little foggy. <laughs> All right, let's try it. But it was great. <laughs> well, it's the problem is, is that um, it was the deal that kept on giving. Um, <laughs> and that tends to happen. Uh, so whenever I talk about my first agreement for sale deal or a lot of our deals... Um, it's like, oh, tell me about this deal. I'll be like, oh yeah, it's pretty simple. We did this, we did this, we did this, we acquired. Are you gonna it. scare people? I always scare with people with our first deal. No, I'm not gonna go that far. It's not typical. No, maybe we'll maybe we'll do a series every three months. I'll tell you a little bit more about how this deal has progressed. <laughs> little snippets. Uh, <laughs> We'd be here for years. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, the actual acquisition of it was 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 it you know was an experience and we got it, but then, you know, series of events unfolded. Yeah. Um, Which is fine. It's great. We still have the property. It's still, I love this property because, um, no matter how many things got thrown at us, no matter how many things people didn't do that they were supposed that to do, they were supposed to do we managed to use creative strategies to solve it. Solve all the problems, yeah. And just con- and and to be honest, Gab, the deal just kept on getting better. Indeed, like, we ended up we have ended up <clears throat> profiting more off of it than we ever should have. Through its struggle, it it evolved. Yeah. Yeah. And we just continue to make more profit off of it because wherever that there is a problem, um, there's there's not. Wayne, Wayne has enough. Wayne has a creates an opportunity, <laughs> yeah. right? And that's what I love about the creative strategies is that. Can I say though, Wayne, that not everybody would have found those opportunities? No, you're a you're a beast. You're oh. a creative beast. Hang on, I'm just I'm just gonna pause the show for a sec. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Don't pump my tires this early in the morning. I would have crawled under. I don't know. A table, a rock, and just like cried if it was just me <laughs> with everything that happened along the way. You're like, wait a minute, we could do this, we could do that, we could flip it like this and do this and that. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, hmm. am I seeing that uh, Jeremy's getting possession of his flip tomorrow? I don't Side know. I, th- I think I missed some stuff earlier. Congratulations to Jeremy. He's getting his, uh... Uh, well, Jeremy said, Francis, I hear you're signing for a new property today. Congratulations. 
and then Francis said, thanks, Jeremy. I hear you are too. Are a whole bunch of people, people, people going into the lawyer's office today? We're going to the lawyer's office we today are. too. We better see lots of tacos and transaction oh, pictures I on the socials. My feed better be littered with tacos today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Jeremy's getting possession tomorrow. I want tacos and transactions to become a thing. <laughs> I do. I really do. You're I trying want, hard. I, I, I want to get, I want I want people to get so successful and I want them to buy, I want them to transact so much and I want my feed to be littered with tacos. Hashtag. Hashtag tacos and transactions. <laughs> but not a like, like store-bought like package shit. I mean, I'm talking about the authentic let people eat whatever tacos they like. Okay. You know, the taco uh, but if police. I see if I see any Taco Bell gorditas. You judging people? I mean, I shouldn't judge it till I try it. <laughs> I'm sure a Dorito wrapped taco shell can't be that horrible. Any hoodles? Uh, agreement for sale. Uh, our first deal. Our first deal. It's um, as I was saying before. It's 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 hard because like naturally you think about like where it's at right now and all the things that have happened since. But I'm going to try and break it down to it's it's in inception. <laughs> what? Am I, what? Go ahead. Proceed. Fuck around. This show is terrible today. <laughs> okay, so uh, we took the course. Uh, we finished up taking the course, and it was um, it was a it was a firehose experience. Yeah. So that's uh, Barry and Donna McGuire's. A we, we took the AFS intensive course right out of the gate. Go big or go home. <laughs> Not the basics, but in depth. <laughs> And think, it was most certainly a firehose experience. You think I'm going to wait around for the next one? No, it was live in Edmonton. I'm like, I'm going to go take it. Why not? Why wouldn't I take it? Go big or I'll go home, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm, it's, some call me a beast. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think we bit off a little more than we could chew. It was, uh, well, it was just, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to grasp, you know, Brett, Brett was mentioning it yesterday. Like he'd been looking into it, but like, and and I've I've talked to lots of people lately. Like they get it, but just like sometimes it's hard to understand the mechanics of it. Oh yeah, there was so much. Like it's like you get you get the gist of it, and you're like, okay, I see how this works. And then you're like, but but wait a minute, do we get the pay down or do they get like all of a sudden you start second guessing mm-hmm. everything and like how does this work? Does this make sense? Like yeah, it's. It's an experience for sure. So because it was the intensive course, it was just a lot more information than we needed. And they didn't focus so much on the basics, mm-hmm. right? Because it's more like an advanced course. But yeah. anyways, we finished it up and um, I don't know, I'd say just like everybody else. And, and I, cause, cause like we, um, we help Barry and Donna, you know, teach the courses now. Um, I pay attention to, to who, who goes out and, and does stuff afterwards and who doesn't. And then I, I try and figure out why. 
And then I also, I think back to like when I left the course, you know, why didn't, why did I struggle at first? Like what was, what was the issue? And it was, uh, I think it was just, God, I don't even know. <laughs> it's, it's in, I think it's just intimidation. It's, it is very intimidating to, I mean, you have all the concepts, you have all the, the theory. Now it's time to go knock on a door and say, hello, I'm a real estate investor. I'd like to pay, buy your house by way of agreement for sale. <laughs> I want you to carry the mortgage and keep the title in your name. And I'm going to take possession of this house. And we're going to write up this, this contract that's called an agreement for sale. Uh, it says that I intend on buying your house, but not today. I'm going to be buying it at a later date. In the meantime, I am going to take possession of this property. I'm going to get all the benefits of the mortgage paid on appreciation and cash flow. I'm going to be responsible for all of the... Um, the property, the property taxes, you know, insurance and everything else and all liability associated with it. I mean, I had barely heard of it before that. Why is someone going to, why, why, why would someone ever agree to do something like that? And that's the thoughts that's going on in my head, right? And that's the thoughts that's going on in most people's heads after they take the course. Yeah. Even though everyone on stage tells their amazing stories of all the deals that they've done and, you know, um, the answer all the questions from all the what ifs at the end of the day like you still leave and you're like i don't know that how i could possibly do this how i could quote unquote convince someone to do this so it took a little while to kind of figure that out and figure out what how we were going to market this and what problem we were going to be solving mm-hmm. um, because we needed to identify a problem that we were going to solve with this particular tool or strategy and so it took a few months afterwards before, you know, we really figured out what, how we were going to do it, how we were going to market and also, um, who we wanted to help. Mm-hmm. Cause if you just walk up, uh, you know, to your realtor and say, Hey, I want to find agreement for sales. Um, it just doesn't work that way. Um, may I also add that, um, I think another thing that we had a hard time wrapping our heads around is, you know, we kept hearing that like, this is, this is, you play for win-win, you mm-hmm. know, like that's Barry and Donna's philosophy. You pay for win, play for win-win. Um, you never take advantage of people. But then, you know, but then they're also talking about, you know, these like um, yellow signs. We buy houses for cash, divorce, bankruptcy, like, you know, like those types of like advertising methods. Mm -hmm. And I think that we got caught up in the feeling of those signs for somebody who doesn't really understand that those people are helping people out of bad situations. They come across as uh, predatory. Mm -hmm. And us as newer investors who didn't understand this concept and didn't really understand those people who are buying cash for houses, those Mm -hmm. yellow signs, um, it came, it rubbed us the wrong way. And so we almost got a feeling like, is this predatory? We got confused, I think a little bit in there and it didn't feel really good because we didn't understand that that was actually helping people out of really bad situations, Mm -hmm. you know? So that was a hard thing to, it was almost like a little bit of a mind fuck (laughs) (laughs) to get over. I, I, didn't know how far I wanted to get into that. Um, glad you brought it up though. I, 
was not a fan of bandit signs in the beginning when I started out. Mm-hmm. And and it was mainly because I didn't understand them. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I understood what they were and I understood that a lot of people were using it for predatory purposes. However, I didn't know that there was a way that you could use them um, to create win-win solutions. Yeah. And I just assumed that everyone that used it um, was looking to take advantage of people in, in desperate situations. Mm-hmm. And when I see that as the primary or one of the primary forms of marketing for this, for this strategy as well, it, uh, it, I didn't feel comfortable with it. So it took me a few months to really wrap my head around how am I going to do this and still feel good about myself at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. I, I've always believed or had a belief that you can be successful in real estate, uh, without taking advantage of other people. Yeah. Or at least there, there has to be a way to become successful in real estate or as a business owner without taking advantage of people. Mm. We've talked about this on previous podcasts, but maybe, maybe I'll dive deeper into that on another one. But so that's, that's where, where the, where the issue is really stemming from is, was that uh, misunderstanding and also trying to figure out who it was that we wanted to help, how we were going to market to them in an honorable and respectful way. And then once we got to that point, then it was just a matter of like, oh shit, now I need to actually go talk to people, which is what a lot of people struggle with Mm -hmm. uh, when they're getting started. Okay, I I got it all figured out. I've got my flyers or I got my yellow sign or I've got my, whichever, my mail campaign ready to go. And then people call and then you're like, oh fuck, how am I going to do this? And uh, so I started meeting with sellers. Um, I started just by... At that particular time, it, I was working with Fizbo's for sale by owners and also uh, Comfrey was still around at that time. Comfrey was a, was a low fee um, real estate brokerage. Um, they've changed names so many different times and been bought and sold and uh, they were bought by... Well, they rebranded to Purple Bricks. <clears throat> And now it's fair square or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Then they were bought out and rebranded again to fair square. I love Comfrey because at that particular time, uh, someone would, would pay, you know, a couple thousand bucks to have their property listed on Comfrey. Um, I would see a sign, right. And, and also I can look up on their website, you know, on the map of which properties were listed by Comfrey. And when you went to their website, their, the seller's phone number was right there on the listing. So you could click and text. You could text the seller. You could call the seller. And uh, basically my approach was, uh, hi, I'm a real estate investor. I'm looking to buy a rental property in your area. Um, I'd love to set up a viewing. And I would just set up 10 viewings for the day in one particular area, one particular neighborhood. I would just set up 10 viewings and I'd go and just practice my, my script. <clears throat> and it, it went really well. I mean, not every, it, not every, it doesn't, it doesn't work for everyone. Right. 
They have to have a problem that needs to be solved in order for it to work. So it's just a numbers game at that particular point. But while practicing, while while running through, you know, the numbers game, and 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 looking for an opportunity to help someone, um, I was I was working on my craft, on my script, on my you know, I was getting, I was getting people asking questions that I hadn't heard before. And then through that experience, I, you know, um, I would go back and I would, I would check back with our, with our group, you know, Barry McGuire's, you know, student group. And I would ask, Hey, how do you answer this? Or how do you answer this? And stuff like that. Like, like most people do. It was funny that, you know, through that whole process, you know, in the beginning months, I didn't get any, I mean, I had a few that were came close, um, and then it didn't really work out for them. I felt like I was really trying to force it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even at that point, I was still trying to convince people, which is not the way to go. And then randomly, one day, I get a, a phone call from one of my joint venture partners. He says, hey, you still buying houses? I'm like, yeah, I'm still buying houses. My weirdo. <laughs> of course, I'm still buying houses. He knows me just being a dink. Um, he goes, okay, well, I got a buddy and, um, he really needs to sell his townhouse. Um, they really want to buy another place, but I don't, I don't know if there's a deal here or not. It's, it's like, it needs a little bit of work. I've seen it before. I've been there. Uh, anyways, just go give him a call and see if there's something you can do for him. I know you got some other stuff you've been working on. Um, yeah. Just anyways, I don't know. Like he's, he's pretty flexible. He just wants to get out of this thing. Okay. There's clearly something here, but. I think I was, I think I was working on turnaround season around that time. I had just remember I was very busy. Normally I would jump on that. You know what I mean? Someone had an opportunity, but I think I was pretty busy around that time. So I kind of put it off a little bit. I called the guy, just trying to feel, feel it out, just to kind of see what was going on, whether it was worth the trip. And uh, I eventually met with him and yeah, the place needed quite a bit of work. And what had happened was, was that his mortgage was very close to what he owed on uh, what the property was worth. Okay. (coughs) So the value of the property was pretty much worth what he owed on the mortgage. So he called a realtor. said, Hey, I'd like to sell this property. Realtor goes in there, kind of looks and goes, okay, this place needs some work. Um, And did an analysis of what it'd be worth. And then asked how much was left in the mortgage. And when they found out there was no equity, uh, a realtor's not going to sell a property if there's no equity because <clears throat> the realtor gets paid after the sale, after the lawyer has dispersed the proceeds, right? And if there's no equity left after paying out the mortgage, that means there's no money there to be paying a realtor. So the realtor doesn't want to do anything like that because they know they're not going to get paid at the end. So in situations like that, either a realtor will just avoid it and say, hey, I'm not interested. Or they will ask to be paid up front. They'll ask for their fee to be paid up front. And, you know, for this for this guy, like, you know, he didn't want to do that. So he thought, it's okay, I'll, I'll just become a landlord or it's okay, I'll just sell this thing myself. I'm not paying for it up front. And... I don't think he really had the money either. I think he they were saving for their next down payment. Yeah. 
And that would have, that would have actually, I mean, we can't, if we sell the place, I have to use the down, some of my down payment money to pay for the realtor, which now we don't have down payment money, so we can't even move anyways. So you can see that the, we're starting to identify a problem here. And Wayne, if I might, because I believe that they had all, they were building and they had already <clears throat> put, so they were in the process. Um, Details are a little. Yeah. So, and, and that's another thing is like, you think like, okay, well then just wait, wait until you can pay it down a little bit more and save up the down payment. Right. But they had already put the deposit down on, on building their new place. So like this was already in motion. You're right. You're yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, um, and with that being said, now that I remember that, it um, it added a little more, it added a urgency, more of a sense of urgency, yeah, uh, to the situation because um, they didn't really have a choice. And the alternative, if you, you know, to kind of walk through this with me, I mean, analyzing this 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 uh, this situation that they were in, their options were to find more money to pay the realtor, try and sell it themselves privately, or become a landlord. And with those options, I mean, they're not necessarily desperate, right? Mm -hmm. Because they still have options. It's just fine. So when I met with the, with the seller, I explained that there's not really much I can do with this. Um, but we, we, we developed a really good relationship. Um, you know, really nice guy. We had a mutual friend. Um, he had a daughter that was the same age as my daughter. Right. And I think I even brought Everly out to one of the meetings Yeah. and that was, you know, it's always a great way to connect and you want to, you want to build a relationship. I don't recommend that every time you're, <laughs> you want to buy a property to, to, to use your kid. Um, we just didn't have childcare. <laughs> we just didn't have childcare, exactly. And um, I always I liked early on when she was when she was open for it, open to it. I liked taking her out and just mm -hmm. um, so she could see what dad was doing and learning. But the fact that they had a kid, it kind of helped, and we had a lot of things in common. And and uh, we were just trying to work work through a solution because I told them it's like it's me putting twenty percent down on this, you know using my funds or one of my investor partners funds for this property. There's no upside for me whatsoever. Like I, I'd be better off buying the house next door paying, you know, the same thing, but it's, it's all renovated. You know what I mean? Like there needs, this is a business and there needs to be some form of opportunity for me um, because I don't just buy things retail. There needs to be some upside. At the very least, you know, I need to be able to know that I can renovate this and increase the value and just, based off of these numbers, just, it's, it's not really there. Um, now that, that was a small fib because it was at a decent price, but the comparables were a little inconsistent. And, uh, and at that particular time it was a flat, uh, to negative market. So I wasn't very optimistic on the, the ARV as well. We had, we didn't have that much experience with flipping either. Mm -hmm. So, I didn't feel that that was a possibility that I could buy it and flip it and make a little bit of money, but I didn't feel confident enough in my skills to, to take that on. And that wasn't my focus at that particular time. 
So I wasn't just going to hop into a flip just because an opportunity to flip was there. There's two reasons not to. One, I didn't, I wasn't confident enough in myself. Um, it was way too fast. And two, I am incredibly focused. When I'm working on one thing, that is all that I'm working on. Or if I'm working on two things, that's all that I'm working on. You call me up and say, you got an opportunity over here to make a million dollars. I say, okay, thanks. I'm not interested. I'm, I'm working on this right now. I, I, you want to be successful? Focus. Just remember those five letters. Okay. So though it may have been an opportunity, I wasn't going to, you know, take myself off course just to go and do something different when I was in the middle of a campaign to find an agreement for sale. I put a lot of energy into it. I was working on it every day. I was building my craft. Um, and I was working on my scripts and stuff. And the best way for me to get an agreement for sale is to stay on course and continue to keep practicing it every day while everything is fresh in my mind. I've got my script. I'm flowing nicely. Um, so anyways, I, I decided to tell them that it just it wouldn't work out and uh, wished them the best and told them I would keep my ears and eyes open if for someone else. And But I wasn't just going to leave it there. And, and, and you never do, right? You never, you never just... Uh, say, well, that's it. That that opportunity is gone, because over time, as I mentioned, you know, they ha- he had some options at that particular time, but he's also getting closer and closer to his deadline, mm-hmm. right? And his options begin to um, dissolve as he gets closer to his deadline. As he gets closer to the point where he needs to put up the rest of the down payment, because he put a deposit for the build, right? Yeah. Sooner or later, he's going to have to go and put the rest of his down payment down. He's going to have to get the financing. And when he goes to get the financing, his lender is going to want to see that he is debt servicing that other property. Mm-hmm. Right? So I knew that there were conversations and realizations um, that were going to be coming up in the near future as he got closer to um, you know, the possession of his new property. And if he was going to become a landlord, then then that would probably be his best and only solution. But I knew that he didn't want to be. Yeah. So it was a matter of being patient, and 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 sales is all about follow up. So I'm I'm very good at making sure that I keep track of all the people that I'm talking to, all the people that said no, and I just would follow up from time to time. Hey man, Swain, how's the family? Cool, cool. Did you get that thing resolved yet? And, and maybe I'll say, you know, something along the lines of, um, I reached out to a few people. No one's really interested. I'm trying my best though. I really want to see you guys, you know, get out of this situation. And then I would just leave it at that. And then I'd wait a little bit, a couple more weeks, follow up. Hey man, how's it going? How was the kid's birthday? Right. I, I knew that he needed a solution, but... I knew that he wasn't quite ready for it yet because he still had options. And we talked about, you know, we dropped just a couple seeds about like potentially doing like some seller financing stuff. Um, but he wasn't really down for it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I offer him a, uh, it's a very long story actually, because this actually, this did not, I didn't close this on the day that I walked in there. Yeah, I closed it three months later, three months, three months of follow-ups. And while I was following up with this gentleman, I was following up with probably 15 other people as well. 
uh, agreement for sales, the agreements for sale <laughs> are in, in my experience, in my strategy are not quick. What you need to do is you need to build trust and you need to be patient because as I mentioned, they might not be, they might not be ready in there. I mean, they're ready to do a deal, but they're not ready personally um, because they still have options left. So I'm just being patient to see if their options do run out and if they come to a realization that they don't want to be a landlord or they can't sell the property and they're, they're you know, they're ready to throw the keys in the mailbox and, and say, sorry, bank, or they're ready to um, call up that yellow sign on the side of the street. When they get to that moment, I don't want them to call the, you know, the sign on the street. I want them to call me because I'm the one that, I've, that they've been talking to for the last few months. I'm the one that built trust with them, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what it's all about. And that's, that's what it came down to. We had a few conversations about potentially doing a joint venture because now that we've built a relationship together, yeah. um, he asked if I would be willing to, you know, be a property manager for him. Hey man, legalities. Um, the only way I can be, you know, manage this property is if I'm a part owner. Um, so what we could potentially look at is, uh, is you and I doing a joint venture. So, uh, instead of you paying me a monthly premium, which you quite clearly don't have the cash flow room for here anyways. How about instead um, you pay me in 50% of the profits? And he really liked that because he really liked the idea of, oh, okay, so I don't pay you monthly, which is great. It's not coming out of my pocket. And you get 50% of the profits at the end, which means that you only get paid if we make money. And I always love that line. Yeah. I don't get paid unless we make money, unless you make money. And if I don't make you money, then I make nothing and I work for free, which is not something I'm interested in doing. So... We had that discussion, kind of went back and forth on it, realized it personally for me with the, with the break even cash flow, with the, the state of the property, with the fact that he didn't have any money to do any repairs for the property and only 50% of the profits, it wasn't a very good deal for me. The only way it was going to work for me is if I had this thing, yeah. um, 100% ownership. So, you know, when I, I don't want to sound like a manipulative, but, you know, we had the discussion. I realized it wasn't good for me, but when I pulled that rug when I, on that opportunity, on that option, now his options were quite limited. It was only a few weeks later, he actually called me back up and said, Hey, you know, I want to talk about that seller financing thing again. Yeah. We sat down and we had a discussion about it. Um, at that time, as I mentioned to you guys a minute ago, that's when his options ran out. He was running out of time. He was, he had to get his down payment in soon. They wanted him to debt service it. Uh, the, the, uh, the original property. He didn't have a solution for it. He talked to the mortgage broker. They said that he needed to find a tenant. He didn't have the time to do it because he had uh, his own business and he had a newborn and a kid and also a job. He, he was too intimidated by it. There was the, the, there was the opportunity to potentially have me property manage it. And then I told him I wasn't interested. So now that option's gone. So at, at that particular point, you know, it was, it was just like that example I gave where, you know, what do I do? Like, do I, I can't throw the keys, you know, at the bank because uh, I have this other house and they won't let me get the house if, mm -hmm. if I, if I default on this one. So uh, I either become a landlord or I just, you know, I sell by way of agreement for sale with seller financing to this guy. And rather than calling the sign on the side of the street or, or doing something, you know, 
um, stupid. He, he called me instead because I built that trust with him. Yeah. And uh, we ended up working it out and built a really good deal. And um, it was a zero money down agreement for sale for um, two and a half years. So it doesn't seem like very much, I know, but, and to be honest, it wasn't really a great deal for me. Um, I didn't really like the idea of the deal. Um, but the way that I packaged it was that it wasn't going to work for me as a rental property because it was still going to require some work and you still have to repair it and sell it in, in two and a half years. He wasn't open, open to extending it another five years after that for seven and a half. But that was the best deal that I could get. So I locked it up uh, two and a half years. Um, it was at a good price. I think it was around a hundred and somewhere around like 140,000. The after repaired value was like 220 or 215. So with a, with a little renovation at the end of it, you know, tidying it up, um, you could rent it for two years, get all the mortgage pay down, you know, from the rental income. And then in two and a half years, just do a quick renovation and make a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the cool thing was that this was a zero money down deal. So they were going to carry the financing. It was a nice low interest rate and they were going to carry the financing and you didn't have to put any money down. So when I locked that up instantly, what I did was I started advertising it to other investors, other investors who had experience with fix and flips. And I posted on all the different groups and uh, someone was extremely interested in it because they were looking for their next flip, but they didn't want to put a down payment, right? They didn't want to pay high interest on the carrying costs. Um, so the idea that they could get into this for zero money down and not have to pay any carrying costs while they're renovating it was amazing for them. So what he decided to do was that he was going to rent it out for two years, do the renovations and sell it. And... I assigned that deal to that gentleman for $5,000. Yep. So that was our first agreement for sale deal. We ended up not actually keeping it ourselves. We, we locked it up and then assigned it to another investor um, for 5,000 bucks. So that 5,000 bucks actually paid for our course. And more. And more. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't a home run. It wasn't easy. It wasn't quick. It wasn't quick. <laughs> it took a lot of patience, but I think that's that's what you need in this particular game and with building trust with people. Um, it's one thing to to convince someone to sell their property very quickly, you know, at the price that you want when 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 you're when you're when you're negotiating for you know for flips or for wholesale deals and stuff like that. That's one thing when you're focusing on the price. But when you're trying to get the right price and you're trying to get seller financing terms, you really, 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 really need to build trust with the seller because it's it, this transaction isn't done when they sign on the line. This transaction's done in years from now, you know, when you complete it with an, with an agreement for sale. So they need to know that they can trust you to make them their payments every month for the next however many years. And there's a lot of what ifs going on in their mind, like, cause they don't understand this. What if the place burns down? What if the tenants trash the place? What if you don't make the payments? What if this, what if this, what if this, what if this, right? They need to know and they need to know that they can trust you to do all the things that you say you're going to do. So it does take time in my opinion to build that trust. 
Um, however, I mean, it, it worked out really well for us. That first deal, once we got that first deal, all the other deals came shortly after that. Our second deal came like a month later. Yeah. It, it Once you get that confidence and once you know how to build them, once you know how to build the trust, once you know how to explain things to people and how to figure out what it is, what the underlying problem truly is and what options they have, it gets significantly easier. So that's part one. <laughs> Can we just leave that as a good deal? We made 5,000 bucks. Can we not just leave it right there? Well, he said it was the gift that kept on giving. I don't want to scare people. It was a great deal. It was. It was a really good deal. And like, we were so freaking happy about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was like when we left the parking lot after getting those signatures, we were giddy. That was, yeah. that was actually the birth of our like fist bump celebrations. It was. That was literally the that first was fist bump. Yeah. We got around the corner. Wayne's like, stay chill. He's like driving, pulling out of the parking lot. He's like, stay chill, stay chill. And we walked and then drove around the corner and it was like, holy shit. Little yeah. fist bump. Keep driving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just got this little this little cool thing that Gabby and I do. We do just do a little fist bump when, when we're proud of each other for doing something that we didn't think we could do. But it's not but it's not just it's not like a, a normal fist bump. It's just like a super like nonchalant fist bump. It's like under the table fist bump almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our own little way of celebrating. Yeah. It's not just tacos. <laughs> tacos and fist bumps. But th that's it right there. I mean, everybody wants to know the secret to to how do you convince someone to sell to you by way of game sale, or or why would someone ever do it? There it is, right there. Yeah, one example, one of many. One of many, and they're all more or less kind of the same. It's just it's just whatever was driving them, right? Yeah. But they all come to that to that same conclusion. Um, it just really depends on, um, what's, what's driving them. Is it, is it job loss? Is it, you know, they're, they bought another place and then they, they can't debt service the first property. Is it the fact that they don't want to be a landlord? Is it the fact that they don't want to be a landlord anymore? What's, what's driving them? What is, what is, what's, what's, what's the pain that's, that's pushing them to, to make that decision? And then how many options do they have available? Identify the options and then just be patient and see if their options go away. Now, I mean, if they find a solution, then that's wonderful. That's great. Yeah. Fantastic. On to the next. I'm not interested in convincing someone to do something that's not their best interest. Yeah. However, if they are in a situation where they have no options and they're, they're about to, you know, re they're, they're facing financial ruin or they're facing a situation where they're not able to move or be with their family that they need to be closer to, then I want to offer them an opportunity for a solution. Yeah. So it's just a matter of just like building up a, a good stream of leads, meeting with them, identifying the situation, documenting it, and then just watching and staying, staying in touch, following up. It's, it's really quite simple if you think about it. And I'll just add, though, that like, um, you know, not everyone is interested in chasing these these leads and knocking on doors and staying in touch and documenting. Not everybody's interested in that approach. And so the alternative to that 
is a marketing machine. Mm-hmm. It is those bandit signs and the website, um, you know, building a funnel of trying to get people, you know, paying for SEO. So that when somebody, you know, is searching on how to get themselves out of this potential financial ruin, they land on your website yeah. as an option to help. Um, and that takes a different kind of work because that just doesn't happen overnight. It, it, it's a marketing machine that yeah. takes time and effort as well. But then you're getting people who have already come to the conclusion that I need a lifeline. Yeah. I have no other options. I need someone to bail me out of this. Mm-hmm. And that's when they call the yellow sign. That's yeah. when they they find the the website that says, facing bankruptcy, we'll buy your house cash, any condition. And, you know, that's that's when they call that person. Mm-hmm. So when you having people, when you have people who have already reached that conclusion and they're contacting you, it's less about building a relationship and more about telling them how it works and 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 signing on the line. Right? Yeah, because they're already out of options. They're already out of options, yeah. and you have a solution, and they are eager to sign the so sign the contract. For sure. Um, so there's there's really, I mean, I would I would kind of nail it down to those are the the two strategies, yeah. right? Um, that can work in in the agreement for sale for sale uh, landscape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like we like we said at the beginning, like the the website and the signs and stuff felt predatory to us. So yeah. we immediately steered away from that and wanted to take an approach of building a relationship mm-hmm. and, you know, that that kind of side of things. Yeah. Felt better inside in our hearts. <laughs> I wanted to know that I was actually solving a problem for them. Yeah. And not just trying to convince them to do something that they'd never heard of. Um, something that they would regret. And that's the, that's the other thing. I don't want to go too far into it, but the last thing that I want in a five-year agreement for sale is for the person a year and a half from now to have second thoughts and say, I don't want to do this anymore. Even though we have a legal contract that says otherwise, and it's done, just dealing with something like that with a seller who's just not compliant mm-hmm. uh, would just be an absolute nightmare. And that's not what we're interested in. And I don't want someone to have second thoughts in the future. I want to know that this is, this is what will solve their problem. So, yeah. All right. Mm, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. We had a bunch of questions we still need to get through from, I don't know, two weeks ago. Um, whoever wrote in this email, I'm not going to say their name. I knew who it is. The individual <laughs> that wrote this email is like, when are they going to answer my goddamn questions? <laughs> so we're just, you know, this is our, this is our filler now for the last 10 minutes of every show. And guys, um, just to remember if, you know, if you got questions, make sure you hit that call in button. Okay. Um, do you want something relevant to the topic that we just talked about? Sure. Okay. So. Uh, question is, do you always call the seller if you want to pitch creative financing like AFS or VTB? Can email work? If yes, what should be in my email? Do I open the idea right away? I think, I I think you answered it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, that is my opinion. That is my, the last 45 minutes is my opinion. Um, building a relationship and not opening it up right away. Yes. Determining, getting in there and determining what is their pain point? What is, um, 
the issue that they're facing? And is this necessary to them before even pitching it? If it's mm. not necessary, then don't even go there. That's and that's if they have it. options. Don't even go there. I would rather help them with those options. Yeah. Give help them, them realize few, their options. Yeah. yeah. Give them a few pointers on, you know, how to be a landlord and then see them, you know, succeed in that, in that path rather than trying to tell them that this over here is better than that. So that's, that's where my opinion stems from. And obviously you guys have a good understanding of, uh, of uh, my values. Right. And so other approaches to agreeing for sale, I just have never agreed with. And there are lots of other people that's that approach it differently. And it's totally fine. And I'm not questioning their, their, their morals at all. It's just in order for this to work for me, this is the, the way that I approached it. And I like these types of sellers. I like these sellers because they're grateful. Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't second guess things in the future that they, they feel like they were taking advantage of mm -hmm. because I, I smooth talk them. That's just that that's the way that I look at it. Um, but I know that there are a lot of people who do agreement for sales that are extremely successful that have done lots of deals, uh, that do it differently. They do it from more of a sales uh, approach. Um, but those people have, have the sellers coming to them and yes. that's the difference. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And also if I could add, if you talk to any student who has taken one of, uh, Barry and Donna McGuire's AFS courses and ask them about the first time they talked to somebody um, about seller financing and if they brought it up in the first conversation, how did that go? <laughs> Always, never worked. When you're approaching a seller and they haven't come to you and you bring up this foreign idea of seller financing within your first five, 10 minute conversation, it is not going to go well. Yeah, I, because I, I, because I tried as well. Um, even, even building a good relationship in the first call or the first meeting, um, throwing it out there. Okay. So this is the price that you're looking for. Uh, would you be open to seller financing or an agreement for sale? Let's just forget the word agreement for sale for a second. Let's just try and use some, some familiar terms. Uh, would you be open to any form of seller financing? What do you think they're going to say? 99% of the time. No, I want what my money. they say? No, I'd rather. No, I'm. Just, I, I just want my money right now. I just. I, I'm not interested in anything else. I just. I just, I just like to get the sale done. What do you? What do you do? You go back and be like, well, no. I mean, it will be done. I just. Uh, you know, perhaps we could do something where you know, um, you carry financing for me for a period of time, and I might be able to, you know, get you closer to your price. Maybe sometimes they might say, well, I mean, I could take a look at it. But, uh, mm -hmm. I, I, 99% of the time they're just like, no, I'm, I, no, I'm not interested in anything like that. I just, I just like to get this price and this is my price. And if you don't like it, then, then leave. Right. That's most yeah. private sellers, right? Nope. This is it. They're very firm. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. They're not interested in having that discussion unless there's motivation. If there's motivation, there's something that's like, I lost my job and I need to figure out the solution. I need to find a solution right now. Then yeah, maybe there's an opportunity there to create a win-win. But yeah. um, I, I personally would never do it over an email. I don't know. I, you can, that's not to say that it, it's impossible, but it's just in my opinion, I feel like an email is cold. Yeah. I feel like, you know, you better be writing lots of emails because I think your conversion rate is going to be significantly less. 
Yeah. Now, not only are you pitching a, f a foreign concept to them, but they don't even know who the hell you are. You might as well tell them that you're a Saudi prince as well and that you've inherited a lot of money <laughs> and you'd like to send it to them. Because <laughs> that's, that's how believable it's going to look. Um, and even on the phone, I mean, same thing. Like, yeah, you're going to look like a scam. It's, it, there's, there's no trust building through email or phone calls. Um, and, if, and if it seems like a lot of work, I'm not saying this to you, but like I know a lot of people are, have said like, well, that's just, I'm not going to go. Uh, someone told me on Instagram or someone told me in a group that you should never leave your desk for less than $20,000 or something stupid like that. Sounds really cool on Instagram. Sounds really cool on a podcast. But the truth is, is that if you're trying to get deals where you're getting less than 20% down or you're getting zero money down and someone's going to carry a mortgage for you, yeah, you know what? You're going to have to leave your desk a little bit from time to time. And guess what? You're probably not going to get paid. What you're going to get paid in is opportunity. And experience. Because the people that leave their desk and that don't cry and complain about their time are the ones that get deals. The people that cry and complain are the ones that don't succeed. That, that's, that's my belief. I think that you do need to put a little bit of legwork in if you want to get these types of deals. Um, so that requires knocking on doors and talking to people because the only way to build trust is in, in person. Mm -hmm. Okay. One more quick one from here. You betcha. Um, here, let me take a look. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Uh, do you always use a realtor when putting in an offer? Is it a good idea to use one realtor or work with a few ones? How about advantages and disadvantages of doing private transactions? So do you always use a realtor when you're putting in an offer? Uh, yeah, on, on standard purchases. Yeah, we work with a realtor. Anything um, on MLS? Anything on MLS, yeah. Um, the thing with, with realtors and uh, they're doing a lot of work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and working with a bunch of realtors at the same time, isn't a good practice. Um, especially if they don't know that you're doing that <laughs> Yeah, because there's, you know, this newer thing that I don't know how many years it's been around now, but like you sign an exclusivity agreement with them yeah. and and you you should be loyal to your realtor. Now, I'm not saying that for the rest of your life, you should only work with one realtor. We've switched realtors plenty of times yeah. based on what strategies we were doing and, and that sort of thing. We've used many different realtors, but we've never approached two or three realtors at the same time and had them set us up on searches and saw who would bring us the best deal. Like, no, that's that's unethical. Mm -hmm. um, so you work with one realtor, you find a realtor who you jive with, who is going to work hard for you, who is experienced in whatever method of real estate investing you are interested in, and you work with them and you bring them value and they'll bring you value. If it's not working out and they aren't providing the value that they said they were going to, then you talk to them about it. If you've signed an exclusivity <clears throat> agreement, then you maybe ask if you can get out of it because this relationship isn't working. Mm -hmm. Um, or if you haven't signed an exclusivity agreement, you tell them that, you know what, this, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think that we're a good, a good fit. Um, and I'm going to be engaging with another realtor. Thank you for your time. Um, and you, you move on, but never, never be quietly working with multiple realtors at the same time. It's, it's not, an it's honor, greasy. It's, it's greasy. It's not an honorable way to do business. Yeah. Um, 
I'll add one more thing on there is, is that if you from from out of the gate, if if you talked a lot, maybe you got an amazing network, you got an amazing network of investors and realtors and, 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 a, and a realtor comes up to you and says, Hey, I'd love to do business with you. You can just let them know that, Hey, um, I'm not signing any exclusivity agreements, agreements with anyone. This is my business model. If you bring me a type of deal that looks like this, these are the type of deals that I'm looking for. If you bring me a deal, I would do business with you. Um, and then you can just let them know that I will be working with other realtors. And I tell the same thing to other realtors as well. If you bring me a good deal, I will do business with you. If I'm flipping it, then I will transact on the front end and the back end. And if you continue to bring me good deals, then we can work on some sort of an exclusivity thing. But at this particular time, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm, I don't want to, to corner myself in just only working with one person. Um, if there's more opportunities that someone wants to bring me, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm able to work with them as well. Right. And that's, I think that's totally fine and, res and respectful. As long as, long as, as it's said up front and out yes. of the gate and they know. Yeah. Yeah. If you're working with someone and then another real like exclusive with them and you tell them that they're going to be your realtor and they've set you up with a search and they've been driving you around town and you can't seem to figure it out and you can't seem to tell them exactly what it is that you actually want. And then some other realtor comes up and says, Hey, I've got this flip opportunity. You want it? And then you go work with them. That's greasy. Yeah. Right. So, um, it's my opinion that, uh, I think most realtors can do the job for MLS when it comes to MLS, it's, it's not necessarily a realtor bringing you a deal. It's a realtor asking you, what is it that you want? And then setting you up on a search. Mm -hmm. Setting you up on a search that any properties that fit that criteria of what it is that you want within the price range, within the area, within the square footage and bedrooms and et cetera. Um, those emails will, those listings will get emailed to you immediately. And then you let them know which ones you want to go see. So most realtors are competent enough in order to, to do that for you. Um, so multiple realtors are not going to be able to provide different services. You know what I mean? It's, it's you, you should be telling the realtor what it is that you want. They're not supposed to tell you what a good deal is. You tell the realtor what type of property, what price range, what area, and what square footage, right? And they set you up with that and they'll help you with that. So if, if, if you, if you, if you're working exclusively with one person and they're like, oh, there's no deals coming in. And then it's not like someone else is going to come out from, you know what I mean? Come in and be like, oh yeah, I found one within that search. You just didn't see it. You know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say again? Yep, for sure. So I, I, it's in my opinion that it's probably you. I'm not trying to be a dick. It's just the truth. Yeah, yeah for sure. You probably just don't know what you're looking for. And it's not a realtor's responsibility to tell you what a good deal is. Mm -hmm. So if that's a problem for you and you haven't quite figured out what a good deal is yet and you're still new, I would highly recommend not wasting a realtor's time with ex you know exclusive agreements and having them take you around the city. I would recommend going with a different approach and just saying, hey, I'm new to this. I haven't quite figured out what I'm looking for, but if you bring me a good deal, I will work with you. Yeah. And the other thing, I know we're over time now, but the other thing is that picking the right realtor, I think mostly comes down to um, the the appropriate communication that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So who is giving you the attention and communication style that meets your needs and your you know desired relationship? And are they giving you the time? Are they responsive? Are they taking you out to see those properties when you want to go see them? Do they have time for you? Like those types of things, I think are the most important. Like you said, anybody can set up a search. 
Anybody can drive to the property and open the door. Mm-hmm. But what's happening in between that, you know, are, it, it's the relationship mostly, yeah. communication and the relationship. Wonderful. So that's where you find the value in, in, in who your realtor should be. I 100% agree. Yeah. Okay. What day is it today? 29th. Tomorrow is the last day for top fan of the month. Yes. So we take our, um, in the Podbean app here, all of our live listeners are hitting that heart button every 300 seconds, <laughs> commenting, calling in. Um, s- some of them are sending little gifts <laughs> t- yeah. to uh, get the most hearts and uh, which ranks them as top fans. So at the end of the month, uh, we have our top five fans for the month. We take those five people. We give the person in first place five ballots, second place four ballots, third place three ballots, fourth place two ballots, and fifth place one ballot. Put them in a hat and draw a winner. And we haven't uh, solidified the prize for this month. So, well, okay, but we haven't announced it. Two free coaching calls. Oh, are we doing that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought that we had done a little switcheroo for this month. Okay, that's for next month. Got yeah. it. Two free coaching calls. Okay. So you get, uh, it's valued at 500 bucks. Perfect. Um, yeah, so we have one last day to get those hearts in. Yeah. Uh, we'll do the draw next week because we have no no show on Friday. It's a holiday. So next week on Monday, we'll be doing the draw. Um, we will gather up all the, 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 the final... Um, tally up all the the numbers tomorrow and uh as well for tomorrow we got a bit of a, a special day tomorrow um we were supposed to do this actually on uh two days ago on the 27th actually it would have been uh, yeah monday um it's the day of reflection uh because it was three months ago that we had a discussion about how it's important to look back from time to time to see how far you've come. And I wish I remembered the actual episode where we talked about it because I would love to let you guys know, but I'll, maybe I'll try and figure it out. And, uh, and um, if, yeah. I, if I do, <laughs> then I'll share it with you guys and you can listen to it again. Um, I should have made a note, but I thought it was important for us from three months from that episode to, to look back and see how far you come in the last three months. And if I remember the conversation, I remember the discussion, it was about how what I don't want is I don't want you three months from now still being in the exact same spot. I don't want you to be thinking, I, 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 just, I just don't want, I, I hate the idea of being like frozen in time. I hate the idea of you could potentially be in the exact same position three months from now and three months after that and three months after that. You know, we always talk about how this year is almost over. Well, guess what? We're almost in July, right? And we were talking about this back in December. And I think think that's why, because we were talking about it in December and then in March, it was months later. And I kept saying, guys, the year's almost over. The year's almost over. And here we are almost in July. What have you accomplished? This isn't an opportunity to shit on yourself or for me to shit on you. I just want you to reflect. I want you to be aware of what it is that you're actually doing. Is the needle moving or are you just sitting frozen in time? Will you still be in the exact same position 10 years from now? 
I watch it happen all the time. Someone's 23 and then they turn 33 and they're like, what the fuck? Why am I still here? Why am I still at the same position in my job? Why haven't I done anything? Why am I further in debt? Because when you turn 23 years old, you stop growing. It's a realization that most 30-year-olds have. It takes a little while for them to realize it and come to the conclusion of it. But once you finish school, once you finish your trade school, once you finish your degree, once you get your job, you get your career, you reach that supervisor, site planner, manager, whatever level, you realize that there's nothing more. And I'm going to be here until I'm 65. And I'd rather you realize this every three months than every 30 years or every 10 years. So what I want you guys to do is I want you to look back from, you know, March 27th to June 27th. And I want to see what have you done? And if you did some stuff, I want you to be proud of yourself. I want you to be grateful. I want you to pat yourself on the back. And tomorrow I want you guys to share it in the comments so that I can, so that I can pat you on the back as well. I, I, all I want to see is I, I want to see you guys progressing. I want to see you guys growing. If you're not growing, you're dying. And if you're unsatisfied with your results from the last three months, then now is the opportunity to, to take whatever action is necessary in order to make sure that the last three months don't turn into the next three months. We'll see you guys tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com.